This morning is the finale of our Questioning God series, and we haven't been asking questions to God. Rather, we've looked at what the scriptures say on the questions that God asks us. And this morning, God's question to us is, can these dry bones live? And this question is found in a very familiar part of the scriptures, Ezekiel chapter 37. And despite the fact that this is a very popular, kind of famous Bible story, in my 20 years of being in full-time ministry, I can't remember a time where I've actually taught on it. And so uh, it's been an incredible week kind of diving into this story, uh, maybe even for the first time. Uh, and this is a rendering of the prophet Ezekiel. Uh, nope, that's King Ezekiel. Any Walking Dead fans out there? Okay, just out as you. Uh, the story that we're going to be looking at actually is very similar to The Walking Dead. Um, let's walk through it together. It's Ezekiel chapter 37. It says this, The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among the bones, uh, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. Imagine this scene in Ezekiel's life. He's taken to this valley, and there's dry bones all throughout it. It is meant to horrify. Where did all these bones come from? Uh, who would do such a thing? Uh, who, these, who were these people? You want to know why this happened? It's a grisly sight, and actually, uh, his wording here tells us this. In verse 2, the Hebrew word translated is behold. And it's, it's, to, it's to provide shock for us. It's repeated several times. It's to give us a sense of astonishment at this grisly sight that's before him. Behold, there were many bones on the surface of the valley. Behold, they were very dry, meaning they've been dead a long time. It's an awful panorama. It's straight from a horror film, right? The whole valley's littered with bleached skeletal remains. These bones are of a defeated army. Just about the worst insult you could do after having defeated an army is to just leave their bodies of the enemy unburied on the battlefield, in the valley. So this isn't simply a picture of defeat. It is a picture of contempt, of shame being poured about on, upon these soldiers. There's a shock factor that we're meant to feel. And it's made even worse because Ezekiel is a priest. And as a priest, you're not supposed to touch dead things, including bones. So as he's walking in this valley of dry bones, he's tiptoeing, trying not to step on a ribcage, trying not to crush a, a, a fibula or a tibia. Tiptoeing. It's a very distressing situation. And the Bible says he was led by the Spirit there. Did you know that sometimes, sometimes, God is the one leading us into a valley? Fruit grows best in the valley, not in the mountaintops. Our valley feeds our nation because it's in a valley. We're not on top of the mountain. Sometimes fruit grows best in the valley. And here's our question this morning, verse 3. God asked me, son of man, can these bones live? And I said, sovereign Lord, you alone know. What a great response by Ezekiel. If the question had been, is God able to bring dead things to life? Ezekiel would have said, well, of course he is able to. But that is not the question. The question is, can these bones live? Is there hope? Is it too late? Is this impossible? It's all the same question. Can these bones live? 
And look at how he answers. Sovereign Lord, you alone know. This isn't unbelief. This isn't doubt. It's simply it's an acknowledgement that God is the one who can do this. It's, it lies with him. There's a professor uh, who is known as the smartest man in the land. He was, he was famous for never being wrong in, in how he answered questions. So people would try and quiz him and, and ask him questions all the time. And he would always provide the right, most provocative, interesting answer. And there was a crafty magician who tried to prove how smart he was. And one day he asked the, the professor the following question, is the bird that I'm holding dead or alive? You can picture this magician holding this bird in his hand. And if the professor said the bird was dead, he would, of course, let the bird go and release him to fly away. And if the professor said the, the bird was alive, he was going to crush it before he opened his hand. So the professor looked at the young man and he said, my boy, the answer is in your hands. And that's the question Ezekiel is, is responding to with God. He's saying, can these bones live? God says, oh Lord, you alone know. The answer is in your hands. This is not resuscitation. This is resurrection. It's all dependent on God. There's no hope without God. These bones have been there for a long time. The bodies have decomposed. They don't need to be resuscitated. They need to be resurrected. And in response to Ezekiel's question, God told him to do something very strange. It's the strangest message to the deadest congregation in the history of preaching. Look at verse 4. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. God told him to preach the word to the dry bones. Now the word prophesy here doesn't mean to foretell or to predict. It means to proclaim, to speak out. The, the words of God in the power of God to proclaim. So God's saying, stand in the middle of this valley of dry bones, and Ezekiel, I want you to preach your best sermon to them. It's ridiculous. Now, I've heard of pastors teaching and preaching at churches that are dead, but this is worse, right? One scholar says this, it's well-attested anatomical fact that although ears have many bones, bones do not have ears. There's no response. What are you doing, Ezekiel? And then God gives him the message to speak. He tells him what to say. And the message is a promise. And it is a promise of comprehensive reversal. He is able to make everything sad come untrue. It's not just a reversal. It's a comprehensive reversal. It's what seems impossible becoming possible. Look at verse 7. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together. Bone to bone, I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Ezekiel does it. He declares the promises of God. He's at this empty place with nothing but death and destruction before him. It's quiet. It's silent. There's no life. And he begins and responds in faith and begins to proclaim God's message to these bones. And then he hears a rattling. 
a rattling sound, a quaking in the valley. He saw bones rising. He saw the toe bones connecting to the foot bones and the foot bones connecting to the ankle bones. And we're all going back to kindergarten right now, right? He saw leg bones going to thigh bones, thigh bones to hip bones, hip bones to back bones. Ezekiel kept looking. And now there's this army of skeletons standing before him. That's terrifying. That's even more terrifying than a graveyard of bones. But it gets worse. Flesh starts to appear on the bones. Now he's standing in a valley of corpses. Lifeless bodies and cadavers standing before him. This is way scarier. Way worse than the bones. Way worse than the skeletons. Ever feel like it needs to get worse before it gets better? This is what Ezekiel's thinking. Sometimes it does. He's seeing faces. It's becoming more real. He can distinguish individuals, features. It becomes more familiar. It becomes personal. There are no longer countless bones without a face. But God's not finished. Verse 9, Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, This is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, breath, from the four winds, and breathe into these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Uh, The word for breath is the word ruah. It's also the same word for spirit. God's spirit fills the, the lifeless bodies and gives them life. At first he prophesied as he was commanded. The first part he's preaching and directing, and then now he's praying. Fill these bones, he prays. And notice that this process of restoration, of dead things coming to life, is a process. It's not instantaneously, right? First the bones come together, then flesh appears on the bones, and tendons begin to link them together, and then finally breath, life. This is so true even in baptisms today. Uh, Every story is different. It's not always everything right at once. New life takes time. Like a midwife who knows that bringing new life into our world takes time and there's pain and there's difficulty. The journey towards God is always that, a journey. It wasn't an instantaneous event. Ezekiel spoke the word, miracles happened. So the question, can these dry bones live? Yes. In Jesus' name, yes. These bones can represent your finances, your relationships, your job, your business, your marriage, your health. Any area of your life where the spirit of death or lifelessness has come against you and made you feel hopeless, God calls you to prophesy, speak the promises of God and the power of God to those dry bones. If you are in a hopeless marriage, prophesy Genesis 2.24. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Prophesy Ephesians 5.25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church and gave himself up for her. Lead the way in sacrificial love. If your health is hopeless, prophesy Exodus 15. 
for I am the Lord who heals you. If your finances are hopeless, prophesy Philippians 4, and my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Do we need to prophesy to some dead bones in our own lives this morning, this week, this year? And the spirit of the living God has power to resurrect. We speak it, we pray it, but we trust God to bring new life. For some of us, that's what we needed here today. And you, you could probably just leave, that's fine. Um, we do have four baptisms coming up, second service, so if you want to stick around for that, that's going to be awesome too. For some of us, that's what we needed to hear, that we need to proclaim God's word to, to dead situations, to lifeless situations, to dry bones in our own lives. But perhaps some of us are brought before the valley of dry bones for another reason. And admittedly so, this may not be for everyone, okay? So for some of you, this is going to just, it's going to land, and you're like, that's me, yes. For others of you, like, I like the first part better. Great. But I really, for those, of, for those who this is for, you're going to feel liberated today. Okay. Soren Kierkegaard, the great Danish theologian, said this, to let go is to lose your foothold temporarily. To not let go is to lose your foothold forever. That's so good. And it's so true. Some of you are at this point in your life and in your faith journey where the systems of the past and the religion of the past, they're not working. And yet you're somehow convinced that God is strangely involved in this undoing. You're not the same as you used to be, the world is no longer black and white, but it's in full HD color. And it doesn't seem to fit some of the worldviews that we were presented with long ago. And for some of us, the lens of the past had a way of keeping us insulated from the real world. Is that any of us? That, that our previous lens kept us insulated from the real world, from real people. As I now know, it is possible to de devote your life to a life of piety, keeping all the rules, and even engage in the spiritual disciplines, but leave your, le your ego largely untouched. That's possible. That happens in religious communities all the time. Perhaps we've developed good ways where we can be a good Christian without ever embracing the descent into death and resurrection that would actually turn us in to good human beings. It is possible to be a good Christian and not be a good person. And God says, no, 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 that ain't right. Speak to those dead bones. So now you're in this place where you can't, you can't go back, but everything else in front of you seems a lot less clear because back here, it, everything was clear. It was black and white. Is anybody in this place this morning? It's a bit more foggy. Jonathan Martin says this, the trademark of the Spirit is first to bewilder, not clarify. The fog that comes doesn't always obscure the Spirit. Sometimes it is the Spirit. For those of you in this space, I believe the Spirit of God is saying to you that death precedes resurrection. In that this is a large part of what it means to follow Jesus, a dying and trusting in the power of resurrection. Barbara Brown Taylor, an author, she was, she was a pastor, and she had felt, too, as if she was in this valley of dry bones. And in her book, Leaving Church, she writes about this time at a, at a church backyard barbecue. We've all been to those before. And I, one thing you're not, never supposed to do in a sermon is, like, read from a book, like, word for word. We're going to do that right now. 
it'll be on the screens for you to follow along. This, this, this chapter has the potential to undo you, to undo me. She said this, after my supper had settled, she's from the Midwest, supper, and I wandered down to the pool where I watched swimming children splitting beams of underwater light with their bodies. I had baptized many of them, and I loved seeing them all shrieking and paddling around together in one big pool. Suddenly to my right, there was a deeper yell, the sound of scrabbling feet on cement, and then a large plop as a fully clothed adult landed in the water. I stood back and watched the mayhem that ensued. All around me, people were grabbing people and wrestling them toward the water. The dark night air was full of pool spray and laughter. The kids were going crazy. Several people hunting for potential victims turned toward me, their faces lit with smiles. When they saw who I was, they turned away again so that I felt sad instead of glad. Whatever changes were occurring inside of me, I still looked waterproof to them like the sick man in John's gospel who lay by the pool of Beth Zatha for 38 years because he had no one to put him in the water when stirred. I watched others plunging in, in ahead of me. Then two strong hands grabbed my upper arms from behind, and before I knew it, I was in the water, fully immersed and swimming in light. I never found out who my Savior was. But when I broke the surface, I looked around at all those shining people with makeup running down their cheeks and hair plastered to their heads, and I was so happy to be one of them. If being ordained meant being set apart from them, then I did not want to be ordained anymore. I wanted to be human. I wanted to spit food and let snot run down my chin. I wanted to confess being as lost and found as anyone else without caring that my underwear showed through my wet clothes. Bobbing in that healing pool with all those other flawed beings of light, I looked around and saw them as I had never seen them before. While some of them looked at me the same way, the long wait had come to an end. I was in the water at last. Isn't that beautiful? I want to invite knowing the band to come up. I love the, the way that Taylor plays with the motif of baptism here, right? Water is integral to, to new life, to new birth. There is no new life without passing through the waters like the Hebrews marching through the Red Sea in the Exodus. In the New Testament, there is no new life without joining Jesus in the watery grave and being risen to new life. Christianity is the religion of going through, not around. Sometimes God leads us to the valley of dry bones to show us that we've got dusty and dry bones as well. It's like the sixth sense. We're surrounded by dead people, but we don't realize that it's we who have been dead the whole time. That we need God's spirit, God's breath breathed into our dry bones too. Sometimes, and this is certainly true for me as well, we're led to a valley. And maybe it was the spirit or maybe it was our own bad decisions that led us here. But there are bones everywhere and God is calling you not to identify with the prophet to speak to the dry bones. He's calling you to identify with the dry bones themselves. We need resurrection that we may too experience the power of resurrection. God is calling you to resurrection, not resuscitation. Resuscitation is being awakened from our slumber. Resurrection is being awoken from the dead. He's calling you deeper. We are the ones who have been, we are not the ones who have been resuscitated. We have been resurrected. Prodigal church, resurrection is, is, is about going all the way for God. There's no way I was going to save myself. 
Resuscitation says, I can save myself. Resurrection says, there's no way. But God woke me up. God raised me up. God healed me. God delivered me. God freed me. God breathed life into dead bones. That's resurrection. And resurrection's better than resuscitation. Would you stand as we declare and we prophesy and we proclaim this?